Episode of the Risk Cast Podcast, the official podcast of the Risk Management Monitor blog and of Risk Management Magazine. Uh, my name is Bill Coffin. I'm the editorial director and publisher of Risk Management. I'm here with my usual suspects, Morgan O'Rourke. Hello. Jared Wade. What up? And Emily Holbrook. Hey. This is our last episode of the year, so before we get going, I just want to wish everybody a happy holiday and uh, all that good stuff. And uh, Morgan, what do you got going for Christmas there, man? He doesn't um, celebrate Christmas. Christmas? He doesn't celebrate happiness. You don't celebrate? He doesn't, of no. I celebrate. No, he doesn't. Christmas. He was saying the other day, he doesn't you celebrate Christmas. see my house. It looks like a Christmas wonderland. We got like 15 of those those little villages. Why do I find that hard to believe? They're all lit up and everything. That's because it's not me. It's because oh, okay. it's life. Oh. See. So we got everything. I got, a, I got the tree. That stuff's been up since December 5th. Really? First. <laughs> the first week of December. I, I clearly remember stealing it from my neighbor's yard <laughs> right around Thanksgiving. I, I looked at my watch and said, oh, it's the fifth. By the time, time I get a tree. By the time I sobered up, it was December and it was good to go. Right out of the backyard. It looked That's fantastic. Awesome. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I get into it. You got, is, is anybody traveling home for the holiday? No. Jared, I am, yeah. Going, going up to Maine, where Maine. I was born and raised. What is Maine? What is Christmas like in Maine, man? You guys like cold. <laughs> yeah, it's freezing. I mean, I grew up there for 18 years, and I feel like the first... Well, not 16 of them, but between first grade and halfway through high school when we could actually drive, like I walked to school like a mile or two every day. And Are you now, for real? Seriously, yeah. You're, not, you're almost, not making that objection. Only I'll one pill. way. You actually, walk, you actually walked to school. Totally. And, I mean, it was like a mile, yeah. I just, <laughs> just, it was just what it was, you know. I just did it every day. And now I go back there and I, I'm outside for five minutes and I'm just like, Are you kidding me? Like even New York, <laughs> winter's winters, I can't handle anymore. Like, oh, yeah. Even Santa just doesn't soft. It's too cold. Walking the streets of Manhattan right now is, is, is actually kind of interesting, like, during the morning rush hour, because it's so freaking cold. When you get out of the train station, like, there's something about coming out of Penn Station, just the way the buildings are arranged and whatnot. All the wind comes off the river and just, like, just zaps you right in front of the buildings. So it's, it's acutely cold right in front of the train station. And everybody normally just, there's, like, lollygagging and whatever. <laughs> you get out of the train station, it's, like, the Indy 500. People yeah. are, like, running. <laughs> like, it's like down. running. And no one has any ability to turn their head anymore, because everybody's got hoods and stuff on. So if you, like, you turn, you expose yourself. So everybody's like, I'm turtle. <laughs> yeah, and what makes it twice as worse, though, is that now everybody's got those extraordinarily annoying rolling suitcase bags. Like, even if they have, like, 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 like if it's a big suitcase, you're going on a trip, I can see maybe calling, you know, hauling one of those to the airport. People have, like, a briefcase now on wheels. I'm like, you slack bastard. Pick it up and walk with it, man. Yeah, like, not here. You can't have those. I hate those things. It's well, like, somebody actually called somebody on it the other day in, in the crowd, in the rush hour crowd, and was like, why don't you pick up your bag? And she was like, if I could, I would and I was just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas to all of you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seriously, though, I mean, on the escalator on the way down. Let me bring a hand On the us. escalator, yeah. Start talking about how annoying it is that you're rolling a bag as you wait on line for the escalator. Yeah. <laughs> the stairs were free. <laughs> Nobody was taking them. The stairs are free. But we're like they're start, charging at the yeah. escalator. We're going to start getting all upset maybe. about the, someone who's dragging a wheeled case while we wait on line for stairs that move. Eventually, we're, we're just going to have conveyor belts instead of sidewalks, like in the airports. Yeah. But they're going to take up the whole sidewalk. Yeah, the slide walk, right? Like slugs with little, like, Tyrannosaurus arms and, like, weeble wobble legs, <laughs> like those old toys. That's, that's, like, in four years. As always, Morgan. You, you heard it here. Four years. Morgan's rant. Of the day. <laughs> he always makes me look forward to the future. I can't wait. That just four years. Makes me so, feel so good for Mark the, it down. For the future of my children. Take stock in, in movable sidewalks. You heard it here first. I don't know if you guys have uh, heard about the report issued by the New York Times about uh, millions of Americans drinking dirty water. You have? Mm-hmm. Oh. I have because is, is this like a national-wide problem? Or is it like, like, like it's nationwide. Um, they went through, uh, compiled and analyzed millions of records from water systems and regulators around the nation. Uh, and it found that since 2004, the water provided to more than 49 million people has contained illegal concentrations of chemicals like arsenic or radioactive substances like uranium. And Wait, is uranium? 
uranium. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, as well as um, like bacteria that's often found in, in raw sewage uh, in there too. And the thing that's um, uh, in there too, basically, is that you know the EPA has found these things, but it's, it's failed to punish these munici- municipalities and these towns. Um, so there's a big. Any towns in particular? Well, they give an example here. Um, <coughs> Ramsey, New Jersey. I don't know Man, if that's I knew, by the Jersey I knew Shore. going to come into it. I'm holding my breath like not Jersey. <laughs> is, not that Jersey. By, is that pollution in New Jersey? <laughs> is that on the Jersey Shore? <laughs> I don't know. Is that Bill? Do you know if that's by the Jersey Shore? Ramsey could be by the Jersey Shore. I live on the Jersey Shore, but yes. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's a it's a bad situation down there. Yeah. That's what I hear. But anyway, look. There's, so there's uranium in the water. Okay, yeah, what, the shore. In Ramsey, New Jersey, uh, <laughs> drinking water tests since 2000, 2004 have detected illegal con- concentrations of arsenic, a carcinogen, and a dry cleaning solvent. Wait, did they call it arsenic as a uh, arsenic is labeled a carcinogen? Yes, yes. It's also a poison. <laughs> isn't, it like a, <laughs> isn't it like a poison for detective novels and stuff? <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, arsenic <clears throat> lace, isn't that? It, a, it'll yeah. kill you yeah. immediately, yeah. but it may cause cancer also. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, that's the problem. They're usually dead by the time the cancer develops, <laughs> so they don't really worry. All right, but this yeah, and dry cleaning chemicals, all the stuff that are also carcinogens. Right. But like most of that stuff is regulated by the EPA, but they're like for ours, I believe arsenic. There is an allowable level that is supposed to be safe for us. Yeah, there's an allowable level of just about anything in any food. At this right, point. parts per million type of stuff. Right. So, uh, so aside from New Jersey, are there other parts of the country, like certain regions, certain states, that have an unusually high concentration of, of bad drinking water, or is, this, or is it generally speaking kind of an evenly distributed problem across the country? I think they were getting at the um, the bigger problems are in the the, the areas with smaller populations. Um, it said that the majority of the violations since 2004 have occurred at water systems serving fewer than 20,000 residents, um, oh, really? basically because they lack the resources to institute, you know, changes. Yeah, there was a part of, I think it was in West Texas, Fort something, maybe, that was one of the worst ones, and it was supposed to be a smaller community like that. And then, for instance, like the Boston metropolitan area was like, maybe not the entire thing, I'm sure there's maybe slightly different water right. um, municipalities there, but um, one of them is served several hundred thousand people was like supposed to be like one of the cleanest mm-hmm. and it actually not only had you know meet, met all the standards but it also had like extra minerals and stuff in it yeah. just because of the local you know geology and stuff and in new york area is supposed to be great water like, well I, th- I think generally speaking the, yeah i drink the tap water cities. in new york pretty much yeah, only yeah. Really well they have uh this report here says new york state and you know i think they're referring not to the new york city area well, uh, state is a whole different yep from I said 205 water systems have broken the law by delivering tap water that contained illegal amounts of bacteria since 2004. That's a lot. That's pretty so terrible. The EPA, so the EPA is not enforcing these regulations. I mean, I, I, like, why, like, where is the failure in enforcement coming from? Is it a matter of um, the EPA just lacks the, the manpower, the ability to actually make the enforcement? Well, there was a quote some, from someone in there, I can't remember That's who right. it was, but saying that the EPA would like to maybe enforce it more, but they're a little lenient just because they know no one has the money to actually fix it in any, you know, oh. yeah, significant Yeah, like you're going to find a, a small West te- Texas town that has, you know, you like a thousand. They can't, then they don't have any money to, after they pay the fund, they especially don't have any money to clean the water up. Yeah, right. It's not really a, a great excuse. Um, so, you know, something has to be done. what they're doing is then, so if you're in these towns and you've got bad water, you're just going to have to buy a bottle of water. Uh, I mean, it's, I, I don't know what you can do. Otherwise, it's a, a Brita well, filter yeah. is not going to filter out every bit of. A Brita filter surprisingly surprisingly helps oh, a lot, yes. I've read reports about uh, the Brita filter. Oh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't really um, remove everything, but it helps with tap water. Of course, water. everybody I know who ever had, like, one of those, you know, home-bought water filter pitchers mm-hmm. it never changes the filter after, like, after they buy it, so they're all expired. So that well, is actually has the opposite effect, then. It's much yeah. more harmful than just drinking out of the tap. There's another <laughs> study that I wish I would have brought and had the more specifics on here, but... Um, that says that like bottled water is actually somewhat dangerous in this regard too, because a lot of this stuff, I mean, honestly, is just tap water. Like it's yeah, not sure. you're not drinking. Well, Aquafina is actually that's all that, that's what Coca Cola did was they just went. Well, it, was, it was Atlanta, a Metro Atlanta municipal tap water, right? They just took tap water and filtered it. I guess that's about yeah. it. They pretty much just put it through a filter. It's, and most of Aquafina particularly is just tap water, and I or Dasani, one of the two, like those two, yeah. the two main offshoots of like the Pepsi and Coke yeah. brands, not like the Poland Spring and all the other stuff that actually is a little more pure. But I and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's those two that are just tap water. But no, but some of them are even worse than tap water. Like I mean, oh, yeah. especially when you're comparing to like the good tap water systems, like Boston and stuff. Um, they'll have 
like maybe not quite so much like the um, arsenic and stuff like that, but like some other like petrochemical type of stuff that's right. in there. And because they're not regulated by the FDA for the most part, yeah. the, these water, you know, bottled water systems. So it's kind of depending on where you live, there's really no good option to drink, you know. <laughs> and then you run into the whole uh, everybody hates bottled water trend at this point. You know, yeah. everybody walking around metal thing, metal uh, containers because the plastic makes your water taste bad or leaches oh, chemicals yeah. into the bottled water if it sits around too long or. You know what have you, and, and then and it's just not environmentally friendly with the plastic you have bottles. Eight thousand, yeah. eight million bottles every day. You know, it, it was pretty amazing seeing just how fast the public opinion turned against bottled water in general over the last like two years. Like it, it didn't take that much for all of a sudden everybody just kind of kind of flipped the switch in their head and went, you know what, this is ridiculous. And 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 bottled water went from something that everybody was really quite used to drinking all the time, and then it turned into the sign of waste and a sign of environmental. Uh, unfriendliness and and you expose yourself to extra chemicals. I mean, I mean, it never seemed to be that bad to me. I just, I just didn't like. Well, that's because the whole water. environmental. <laughs> that's because the environmental stuff kind of picked up a lot more in the last few years in general. Yeah. So then you look at something that's obvious, like we well, got water for free and we're paying for it. And in some cases, obviously, not as many as we'd hope. The water is just as good that you're getting out of the tap, unless you live in. Yeah. And still, I mean, I feel like that's almost like a rhetorical thing because I mean, most people even that are against bottled water strongly still drink it a and like i don't know i feel like being in new york like we hear about it more and stuff like that i don't know i don't know if there's this outcry against bottled water that you know even there is against suvs or something and both of those things are obviously very still prevalent you oh, know sure, sure. well what would be interesting to see is what actual you know, harm comes out of these levels of pollutants well that's what i was going to get at bill um you know a lot of people think there's such small amounts of these toxins that it's not really going to do anything but um the report said that you lose sleep <laughs> yeah. The report said that certain types of cancer, like uh, breast and prostate cancer, have risen over the past 30 years, and the research indicates it's because of these contaminants in the water. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, there's so. a town in New Jersey, um, Brick, which is actually not far from where I live, and there's also, there's been a lot of anecdotal talk uh, you know, over the fact that there's a – I mean, the research on it, I guess, is pretty pretty up to debate or whatever, but, um, but the point is that around Brick, there's a what they call an autism bloom. There's an unusually high number of people who have autism really? in and around the town of Brick, and the big question is: is, is there is question is, is there something in the water? I mean, you usually say that in joke, you know, or jesting, you know, in, in jest. But but there really is a question: could there be some sort of environmental thing going on there that is having some sort of long-term effect, perhaps on the genetic code of the residents, and and it's not hurting them; it's hurting their, but it's something they're passing on to their kids, or or something, or it's something that if you're a kid in the area, is there something in the environment that, that you're particularly susceptible to? Um, and there's no there's no proof of it whatsoever. I mean, undoubtedly there have been lawsuits filed here, there, and everywhere against you know various industrial concerns in the area. But I mean, that's one of those cases where you know that and then that's that that's not news. That's not a, a, a secret. Anyway, living in that part of Jersey, I mean, everybody knows about brick. It's just one of these weird things. Yeah, there's a lot of the, I mean, Long Island, where I live in Nassau County, there was a people always thought there's high, just a, I don't know if it's true. I don't have any numbers, but breast cancer seems to be pretty prevalent. And that's always been one of those concerns that I've heard through the years growing up of, you know, something must be in the environment that's keying this level. Whether or not it actually means anything, and it's, like I said, anecdotal from my perspective, I have no stats to back up whether or not it's true. But the people who've been talking about that forever. I have family members, who, you know, who've had, you know, or friends who've had to go through, you know, somebody having breast cancer and everybody knows somebody. You know, it's just one of those things. and. That was what everybody said. Yeah, and I'm not like a doctor, obviously, or anything, and don't sound <laughs> no? like conspiracy nut. But I'm um, like, and, and you know, it's tough because you can't. How cool would it be though, if Jared secretly was a doctor? Like he just. Well, you guys don't podcast. really know this, but I am a doctor. Yeah, you and... know, I just know. <laughs> I'm an endocrinologist, and I'm only hey, 19. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But like, obviously, cancer has existed throughout society for probably as long as we've been around, you know. But it's there's not really good records going back long enough to realize to really see if it's like you know an increased prevalence and i mean there's studies that definitely show that but like with the life expectancy increasing obviously cancer is something you get later in life generally um it it will be interesting to see like if this becomes way more prevalent as we you know go through the next half century in humanity and how much of this stuff is based upon you know the chemicals and all these other process stuff that is within water and food and everything that we you know put into our bodies i mean i wouldn't be shocked to find out in 30 years that I mean, all of us have colon cancer or something. I mean, I'm not sure that the human body is supposed to be processing all this stuff. Well, it certainly speaks to something that we actually wrote in the magazine a couple of years ago. I think Morgan actually did the article about about just sort of you know general toxic accumulation yeah. risk. Yeah, the know? bioaccumulation. Bioaccumulation, right? Yeah. right where where you know the whole notion is that if you're if you're constantly um, 
exposed to low or even infinitesimal uh, amount of potentially harmful materials, it's not going to bother you or hurt you, but just over a long period of time, it just gradually... Well, what it really, the real problem... comes from no one particular source, right? The real problem is more so with that stuff, it's not so, is how it goes up through the food chain. So if you have, say, a fish that swims in polluted water and the fish eats that water and it's pretty contaminated, you know, that fish is... That, that whatever that it's contaminant toxic. is goes through the whole fish and then something else eats the fish eventually it comes to your dinner plate with ridiculously high levels. Some reason as it goes up to the food chain the like the concentration gets more like exponentially increases as opposed to like you think it would go the other way, but for some reason it doesn't. So minute levels of pollution go up and become larger levels of, of, of potentially larger levels with certain things. And how do you identify? Yeah, so we don't know. I mean, the, the whatever parts per million they decide to be, it, you know, is good. By the time it actually gets to say you're, you know, something you're consuming, it's probably way past that point. Right. And how do you identify what is actually causing these levels of right. cancer if they do, you know, prove out to to occur later in life? And then, you know, ultimately, in this society, somebody's liable for it. You know, right. somebody is selling these things that are making this stuff happen, or they're polluting the rivers that are making this happen. And, yeah. you know, what kind of price tag do you put on a city that has, you know, cancer. incredible well, rates of autism or cancer or whatever yeah. this could be. Yeah. Well, it was certainly also put to the test. I mean, some municipalities, and this is more for, um, you know, liability concerns for, say, like their school systems or um, civil services that have inherently beneficial use, such as, um, well, like things like school and that sort of thing. Um, or some, some municipalities have simply written themselves out of liability. They just said, look, we're not liable by, 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 by written law can't sue us for liability issues arising out of certain <clears throat> certain things that we're providing because it's a, a, a societal benefit, and that's just too bad if little Johnny, you know, breaks his foot on a on a municipal, um, you know, jungle gym or something like that. That you know, that that's just a risk you take when living in our community, kind of thing. So I would wonder, you, you know, what you're talking about, Jared. I mean, the the potential values here could be so huge and bank busting, especially for small towns. Some this mythical small town in West Texas we keep referring to. They're not going to have if they don't have the money to adequately safeguard their water supply. They're certainly not going to have the resources to handle a class action lawsuit brought on by every person in the county, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, clearly there's got to be some sort of some sort of relief, whether it's simply just writing off the liability entirely, or God only knows what else, but it, that would require a huge amount of resources, you know. And it just, I just, it could become, and just for a little small town, let alone, and, and, you know, in certain parts of the country, the cost of litigation is a lot higher than other other parts of the country. Imagine this happens in some tony part of Connecticut or Long Island. I mean, the, the dollar values are just... Well, what's going to start happening then is, is what'll have to, what'll happen if you wanted to clean this up is, if these towns can't do it, it ends up raising your, you're going to have to raise your water bill. Start paying for for the extra services to, you know, for the system. Yeah. So, so, so in, in the end, you'll end up having to pay for. I would, I could just see, you could see that just every liability gets passed on to the consumer at some point. So, right. if, if the water authority has to pay X plus a hundred, well, you're, you're you can be sure that water bill's going up X plus a hundred too. You the know? big question is, is, is how really would they pay for it? I mean, would they just like sock away, oh, no. you know, a bank account, basically, you know, you know try, try to create a, a you know, an alternative risk fund? To, to pay for this, or I mean, or is you th- I mean, I can't imagine anybody in the right mind in the private insurance sector would se- would step up and go, you know what, we'll cover this. I mean, there's just no, it, it's not like there's no way you could possibly underwrite for this thing, you know, it, you know, in any kind of accurate sense. I mean, I mean, it's one of those things where you have tainted water supply, it could be tainted from so. I mean, unless you have a direct evidence of somebody leaking into the water supply, if you have like a bioaccumulation situation, yeah. you've got a hundred different people who are putting stuff in there. There's no way you can pin that on any one source. So. You know, I mean, and the water system, water systems are all connected at some no, point. I no. mean, what are you going to do? Go, oh, that Mississippi River. We should sue the Mississippi because yeah, you know, exactly. our, our water supply is a tributary off of that. Yeah, good luck with that. Each, each state keeps <laughs> suing the one upriver until it finally gets like Montana. That's <laughs> like, what are we going to do? You know. Well, then we, we you should start a private company that's job is to clean all the water somehow. There I don't you know go. Who would pay for that? But we would. There's a business. Well, That's what it seems like the solution to all this stuff is, you know, some distant technology that we don't know about, you yeah. know, that cleans water somehow. How are you going to clean uranium out of water? I mean, your best bet on that is hope it gives you superpowers. <laughs> and you can lift, you can drink the entire water supply and exactly, exactly. take it somewhere else. <laughs> the water tainted me, but on the upside, it may be invulnerable to its harmful My super stomach effects. can, t- anyway. <laughs> so, well, anyway. Well, as you can guess, the EPA is getting grilled about this, and, um... They are supposed to come up with some sort of solution soon, so I'm going to keep my eye on it and probably blog about it cool. the coming weeks. Cool. We'll keep our eyes filled for it. Stock up on bottled water. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and Brita filters, too. There you go. Save plastic. <laughs>
drink whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to say it, but... (laughs) The solution is alcohol. On Thursday night, Thursday evening, some some point, I think around 10 p.m., um, the social networking service Twitter was uh, hijacked by an I well ostensibly by a group called the Iranian Cyber Army. Um, Very cool, indeed. Sounds scary. Um, you know, some people doubt whether or not it was actually an Iranian political group that had anything to do with this, or whether it was just some pranksters and you know whatever normal hackers that were having some fun at the expense of political. Uh, Geo, geopolitical humor, um, but what they did was they hijacked the homepage and they put up this note. It was just this, you know, image that had a green flag, and the, the, the message was kind of scary, but also kind of humorous in a way. Um, it said, and I quote: "USA think they controlling and managing internet by their access, but they don't. We control and manage internet by our power. So do not try to stimulation." Iranian peoples too. Now which country in embargo list? Iran, USA. Take care. Like <laughs> <laughs> respectful sign off. Sign off, exactly. <laughs> take care. Eat your vegetables. Don't take any wood and nickels. And the whole thing, for the Iran. most part, is in all caps, and then take care is just lowercase with a period. <laughs> very, very, very polite subtle. little salutation. They, they invented their nerd rage enough at the end of the Twitter account. They only had eight characters left, and, you know, a little, little soft take care, you know. Yes. Take care. <laughs> so, what? Are, so I assume that that obviously Twitter was Twitter traffic was redirected to to the their site. site. Or yeah, to, the site took over, and I think it said essentially um, a message similar to that the this this website has been hacked by Iranian cyber army, you know, and that came up on the. Um, so, what are their demands? Did they did they have demands or something? Or I don't know. Saying, I mean, I mean, Twitter like fixed the problem within a no. few hours at most. Right. Um, and Twitter isn't like, you know, Amazon.com when that got hacked or whatever. They don't make money by every second they're yeah, up. So it wasn't like this incredible. Um, I'm sure Astrid Kutcher had a heart attack, though. <laughs> right. That's more what it was. I mean, everyone couldn't use their Twitter for a while. And, and I guess it kind of more what it speaks to is like, you know, anyone can be hacked, even like this mega brand like Twitter, which is, you know, the equivalent of like Facebook at this point. So um, it just kind of shows that, you know, everyone can be hit. Well, the Iranian cyber army thing is a little disturbing <clears throat> because also this week there was a story about how. Um, Iranian-based or Iranian-backed hackers um, had actually used like a $26 off-the-shelf program to hack into the video feeds of Predator drones flying over Afghanistan. So basically, insurgents on the ground could use this off-the-shelf technology that you could just buy over the internet and uh, and and patch into the video feeds of surveillance drones that were kind of hunting them and trying to trying to, sh- to you know shoot them, wow. you know, and, and basically eliminate the, the element of surprise. And what was interesting about that is that um, the Pentagon has been really concerned for a while about, na- you know, nation states, you know, really, you know, waging what they call cyber warfare. And we, we wrote about this, uh, I guess, last year in the magazine about how some Russian hackers had basically shut down the whole nation of Estonia for a couple of days you know, over this little diplomatic... Yeah, and allegedly that happened as well, like in the Georgia conflict. I don't know if it was ever yeah. proven, but Georgia's, you know, cyber connection went down pretty much nationwide during right. that time. And, and, you know, Russia and China have both been pegged as countries that have been putting a lot of resources into developing very robust cyber warfare, um, you know, capabilities, I suppose. Um, it doesn't really seem like very surprising that Iran might do the same thing, given, you know, Iran's um, – I mean, there's some pretty substantial claims that they, they do a lot of funding or backing of various, you know, nefarious elements in the region. Um, and for them to actually – They you know, do, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and for them to hack – you know, certainly for them to hack, you know, Predator video feeds seems certainly within their case, but I mean, also to hack something like like Twitter. I mean, why not? You know, I mean, I, 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 you know, especially since Twitter was used during that whole that whole um, that whole election uh, yeah. situation yeah, earlier this year. You know, and 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 the leadership is still, is still stinging over that. They they're, they're like angry at Twitter for fomenting for offering you know. To, well, I mean, they to, call themselves the Iranian Cyber Army, but it doesn't mean they're affiliated with the Iranian government. Oh, it could be for I mean, kids it's, in Burbank, but I mean, it the, sounds yeah. you know obviously the message was uh, was you know translated or something because it's obviously not you know English yeah. syntax or anything like that. <laughs> and take care, and it's just, and there's no real demand. It, it it sounds like I mean hackers are notorious for you know not just hacking something but 
telling people they hacked something. It's well, like yes. more like the the badge of honor. Like, guess where I was? And yeah. I, th- I think it's amazing that we're almost in 2010, and <clears throat> large websites such as Amazon and Twitter are still being hacked. There's not there's no you know tech security measures in place that work. Well, no matter right. what you do, is the hackers. There's always going to be somebody smarter to so find a way around it. Uh, ha- computer hacking is not you know preventable. We can save. If I had to say, I'd say you, no. no. I I don't think you can prevent. I think I think you can prevent a lot of the basic. <clears throat> Hacking, but I'm sure there's always going to be somebody who can break any program. I mean, it's it's out there. It's just a matter of being smart enough to find a pathway. Well, it's always a, it's always you're uh, trying to fix the holes and you know plug the leaks type of thing. I mean, you you don't really know of a type of attack until it occurs, and then you figure out a way as the good guys to fix it, and then the bad guys figure out a new way to get around it. And you know they're always creating new new holes and things. And well, and and, and there's and so much incentive because everything we do, and increasingly, we know this will happen more and more, is you know, based online. Yeah. You know, I was, we were just talking about this before in England in, uh, Britain is actually uh, just starting to, uh, they're, they've just set a plan that they will do away entirely with checks, you know, to, you know, to write, write checks to pay money. Really? Yeah. By, t- by like 20, 2018, there will, there will so be no, more paper, no checks. more paper checks. Yeah, everything online, right? So, so it's so suggesting <laughs> that, you know, even money kind of evolves <laughs> past the point of physical, you know, of paper. I'm assuming that I didn't, I don't really, didn't really read the article. I just saw the headline, but, uh, I'm assuming that they'll get to the point where something is a lot more, you know, automated or, or rather online. So there's so much incentive to continue to hack stuff when every bit of everything that we do is online. I haven't, I personally haven't paid a bill in person or in years. Oh yeah, and that's yeah, just no, me. I, I can only imagine the, I mean, okay. imagine the amount of money that's floating around everywhere else. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I mean, we all saw Die Hard Four, right? Yeah, wasn't that uh, they wanted to hack oh, the world the or something? Entire... Like a fire sale. Yeah, a yeah. fire sale. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But so. just getting back to the Iran thing, yeah, like exactly what you're saying. The um, for Twitter, that was kind of like a big tipping point in Twitter's existence um, when the Iranian kind of elections were going on, and the, all the outcry, and and there was a point um, where the U.S. government actually intervened because there was a scheduled maintenance of Twitter that was going to go on like during that week. Yeah, and the State Department actually contacted the the people who run Twitter and were like, uh, "Can you not do this now? Like something kind of revolutionary globally is going on right now that we've never kind of seen before, and these people how." have this voice that otherwise wouldn't have without you guys. So I guess that would be maybe some of the motivation. If this yeah, was a real Iranian yeah, group, yeah. it would be, that was why they might take it out on Twitter. I mean, oh, I'm not saying, I, I wasn't saying they weren't Iranian. I'm just, I would just wonder if, yeah. I can't think you could assume that their government, you know, backed the cyber army. It just seems a little, well, no. seems a little kind of like well, a club. When, when Estonia got, when Estonia got shut down, I mean, I, you know, what, what a lot of cybersecurity experts thought it was, is basically just a bunch of, you know, Russian hackers or Russian script kiddies or whatever, you know, you know, who, who had figured figured it out. But the the idea was that Russia had been really, you know, had been training people to do cyber warfare, and those people could be training other people and that sort of thing. And you could have this not really like a terroristic cell structure, but I mean, these people all kind of know each other as part of a community, and these skills have a way of of, of dispersing. And these could be people who are not necessarily formally trained. By any government, but they are certainly sympathetic to it, and they, yeah, get, they, they get their hands on those skills, and they, and they figure, well, they're going to emulate the tactics that are being put forth by a particular government or something. Well, think like about that. this. I mean, if you're if you're coming from com- countries, you know, a lot of the Russian republics really would fit this better. That don't have the resources like like military resources or economic resources. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard to have a laptop and some computer skill. It doesn't take much money to actually make a real effect. Particularly yeah. if you you know you have an agenda. You can't really. You don't have an army that can make a dent, but you certainly have a bunch of hackers who can probably do more than an army could these days anyway. Cyber war is going to be the front, is going to be the big front line in, in, in the, you know, what they call, as, it, a, a, what they call asymmetrical warfare. It really, it really it levels the, the whole battlefield, if you want. I mean, yeah. the old we already seen in, in most of the conflicts of the past 10 years that, you know, the traditional, let's have two forces line up in a battlefield thing from, you know, the old days that obviously is obsolete. So yeah. at some point, just fighting in general is not even the point. Yeah. If you can control who's, where the money's going, then that's kind of the point. Well, well, Jared did raise a really good point, which is, you know, that's exactly what, what Russia did, though, when they hit Georgia. I mean, I, I mean, the first thing that happened is the country's electronic architecture kind of started stumbling and falling down, and it made it really hard for them to get internet and any kind of, you know, computer-based messaging out of the country as, as the fighting started. And, yeah. that was, and it was easy to do because it was a small country. It didn't have a whole lot of resources to, to knock down, so it just took a, a short while. And Russia's pretty good at what they do, so, you know, they, they're able to do it and just you know, put, it all, put it all down. You shut down the there. computer networks in an entire country. That's... I mean, at this point, what isn't running off a computer? Well, it's all really a matter of redundancy. I mean, yeah. I, mean I mean, with smaller countries like Georgia and Estonia, I mean, the thing is, it, there's only so much redundancy they can have. It would be much, 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 much harder 
to do the same thing to a large country, like right. say any of the G20, because there's just so much redundancy built in. And you get to like the G7 or G6. I mean, like to do something like that to the United States, for example, would you, you need probably a couple small nuclear weapons really to, to you know to knock out like entire entire sure. you know electronic architectures, just because there's so much redundancy built into the system. And and the same is true of China, of Russia, of Great Britain. Of well, France. in the case of that Northeast blackout, you just need a well, well, there. Yeah, that that yeah. wasn't that. Uh, that wasn't very. Didn't take a nuke to do. To well, take no, out that's the northeast. That's the grid that's underneath the grid. That's just the straight up power grid. Oh you right, know, right. Which, 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 which is a, which is a, you know, a, a whole different kind of vulnerability. But you can't. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I have a hard time believing that a hacker could actually, you know, figure out how to hack well, into the well, power grid. Well, we're, and turn we're it amazed. Off. According we're amazed. to Die Hard Four, that was one of the few things that was still manually operated. Well, and that's <laughs> and the movies were always correct. According to Die Hard Four, Bill, it's actually a risk of uh, the new power grid that I'm writing about for the January February issue. You know, the hackability oh, of really? the power grid, mm-hmm. the smart grid. Yeah. Right, because they're, they're making a whole new smart grid that is supposed to be yep. a little better than, you know, the old just complete electricity type of stuff where there's actually, you know, digital cables that mm-hmm. can talk to one another. So yeah. anything that can talk can to one another hacked. is ultimately vulnerable. Hackable. Well, the truth is that, you know, no matter how sophisticated you make any kind of electronic information system to be proof against hackers, ultimately, though, you have humans that are interfacing with it. And and you could have a completely foolproof, completely invincible system, but as long as you have a human operator anywhere in the mix, that's where your biggest threat of failure is going to come from. I don't you know? know. I mean, I've seen, there, I, I think, there's t- I've seen two documentaries that, that, that might counter that. One was called The Matrix, and the other was called Those are not Terminator Two. I think it was when <laughs> Skynet gained what? What was? Sentience. Took over. Sentience. Yeah, thank sentience, you. you. Right. Those were documentaries, right? As far Nobody as knows concerned. who struck first, but it yeah. was the humans who nuked the sky. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure those are documentaries, though. They're not documentaries. Yes, they are. They're truth. The Matrix is certainly a documentary. That means you can watch them, Emily. No, I'm not going to watch them. You've seen Keanu Reeves. He's around. He exists in the world. He, those are those are all documentaries. I saw him in that old movie. What was that? Oh, Bill and Ted's. <laughs> that was that also, was also a documentary. documentary. <laughs> no time travel. Get out of here. Every yeah. moment true. So, why do you think wait. there's no phone booths anymore? Because they're all their time machines, so they got rid of them. Really? They, they, the government got rid of them. The man, Carlin. Yeah. Yes. Guys, um, to get a little serious. <laughs> why? Have, hasn't the government hired hackers, you know, to find holes in their in their system, uh, yes. or am I just making this up? No, no, no. I, so I, wouldn't I'll, it benefit like uh, companies, the larger ones, to hire these hackers to work, you know, on their payroll to find the holes before other hackers find them? Yeah, they call it white hat hacking. They, you know, okay. white, white hats and black hats. And there's actually a black hat hacking conference, I think, so like in Texas or something yeah. like that. Really? Um, every year. Yeah, it's, it's it's really fascinating where these guys get together, and and it, there are a lot of people who, yeah, they're basically um, they provide services and they and they figure out how to how to test the weaknesses of your system by by doing a hack of it under controlled circumstances, so they can then explain how they did it and where the hack came from. And a lot um, of these guys are reformed, you know, ex. Right. A lot of them, yeah, a lot of those guys either went to jail for a few years and came out and realized, hey, I can't do that anymore, or, or I can just make money off saw of the it. light somehow and realized, yeah. hey, I can make some money yeah. if I start my own consultancy. Mm-hmm. Of course, the the guy, the original guy, the, the original hacker who went to jail was this guy named Kevin Mitnick, who got busted back in I guess the late '80s, early '90s, and um, he got a particularly tough deal because when they, I mean, he was like just the hacker of all hackers in the '80s, and they finally, you know, they chased after him for a long time. They got him and they put him in jail for a couple of years. And when they sentenced him, one of the things they sentenced him to is basically a lifelong ban off the internet. Which when he came out, it's like, oh, it's a bummer, you know. But then, like, the internet like exploded, and he's like, I don't know what to do. I mean, this poor guy had a skill set. He like he's like the only man in America who's forbidden from getting online. And and, he's and, and and he's gone back to his parole, you know. Like, can you please like lighten this up and that sort of thing? And, and I think they ultimately lightened his sentence a little bit so he could become a security consultant because he had to he had to be able to cut a living somehow, you know. But for a while, he was this guy who like the only guy in America who was wow. you know, you're grounded off the internet for well, for how long? Forever for life. You know? And that then not even knowing what the internet was going to become. Well, right, exactly. Probably would have been a gazillionaire at this point if he uh, had his way because he was there early like, enough. I just want to play fantasy football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I heard that Warcraft is fun. I, I want to be an elf. Wait, do you guys remember when Heartland Payment Systems... Uh, yes. The uh, data, data, data breach, breach from yes. them for the credit card company? Yeah, well, the mastermind behind that, his name is Albert Gonzalez, and uh, he's facing 15 to 25 years in prison. And he is now claiming that he has a form of autism, so he can seek a leaner sentence. Uh, you know, this is like when every <laughs> oh, that was just this is like out, when every, uh, every 
13 year old jerk online claims they have Asperger's syndrome. You know, it's like I, it's like you don't have Asperger's. You're just a dick. Okay, you're, you're 13 years <laughs> you're old. You don't have you don't you don't have any manners, and you get off slagging people off online. And then you then when somebody calls on it, you're like, oh no 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 no, it's really it's Asperger's. Come on. Has he been drinking the water in brick? Yeah, he has. <laughs> <laughs> That's by the Jersey Shore, right? Yes, it's by the Jersey Shore. Thanks for asking. But no, but what is this situation? situation. Um, well, Gonzalez's attorney hired a psychiatrist who determined that um, his behavior was consistent with the description of Asperger's disorder, which is a type of. <laughs> there office. we go. Exactly. Do Asperger's. Exactly. He does not have Asperger's. He's just a felon. He's, yeah, he's just a really smart felon. There are people out there with Asperger's. Okay, it's a serious. It's a serious it thing. Is. How, yeah, but. Not every person online who acts in an antisocial fashion has Asperger's. There's just people who are just basically have, just people online who haven't who have no practice but, socializing. Yeah, exactly. Have no <laughs> so they're capable of doing poor so. social skills. Yeah, yeah they have yeah. no social Disease. skills, and they, they they you know they they. Then again, if enough people have poor social skills, eventually they'll just redefine the, a disease for it, and they'll come up with some name, and it will be something. If enough people exhibit certain <laughs> symptoms, you, you have the Morgan Then it is a disease. <laughs> yeah, work. Yeah. Well, I'll, Dude, hey, man, listen, don't I'll work take, on me, okay? Don't, I'll t- you're working out. Don't work. D- don't work. I'll right? take the name. Just, I'm, I'm all for it because it makes my low-level social skills seem all the much better than you know, <laughs> if everyone else is being downgraded. I can just I can just coast on my poor skills. <laughs> we need to flatten the curve here That's a little bit. Comparatively speaking, exactly. that Jared Wade is just witty and a yeah. joy to be around. What a charmer. <laughs> my D-plus will be a C in no time. <laughs> the curve is just... <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I think that'll be the time when I I <laughs> start to live underground or something. I'll just cut all ties and I'll just become a mole man or something and just stay away from everybody. Here's what I want to talk about: LEDs. You know, the light-emitting diodes, the, uh, everybody loves to save to replace incandescent light bulbs with LEDs, no matter where they are. I'm saves all sorts of, of energy. I know. Bill's, Bill's very green, so I'm sure you've replaced every light in your house with something that's better. Uh, many well, of them, yeah. All, all, of, our, all, all of our CFCs Christmas lights. Stuff. All of our Christmas lights outside the house and on the tree, they're all LEDs. Are they? Yep. Well, the, the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree is all LED, which yeah. is sort of weird because yeah. it has that kind of – it's got a cool glow, but it's not They do look glow. different. They don't shine like normal it's lights. It's like pinpoints. Yeah, it, it, it's it's yeah, it's it's got it, it, they definitely look look strange. <laughs> yeah. They don't look like normal lights. Yeah, you really do see a lot of the LEDs in, like around Christmas time, and you see them like in the stores because all the lights, the Christmas lights are like LED at this point. But but the other thing they're using for now is traffic lights. A lot of communities have mm-hmm. replaced their regular lights with traffic lights, and they save a substantial amount of money. Actually, there's one uh, one anecdote when I get into this. One uh, one t- one uh, community in Wisconsin actually saves like a million dollars a year on electric costs. By replacing just off LEDs. Really? Just LEDs. I think it was a statewide. A statewide deal. Yeah. Let me read this for a second. I believe yes. Actually, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, yeah. Wisconsin. But here's the problem. Sounds great, right? Saving money. Yes. Yeah. Saving the environment. Saving electricity. Fantastic. Here's the problem. No. It snows, and snow blows into the LED lights. They don't emit enough heat to actually melt the snow, so the lights actually get blocked, get you know obscured, <laughs> cause traffic accidents. Oh. There's actually cases of people who may or may not who may have been killed in a traffic accident because you know the blocked lights somebody really? just ran the light. And there's a lawsuit too. Well, certainly, but so what they had not only that not only that now they also have to have crews that you know have to go and either lights. dust the yeah. lights off or. So are they really saving money? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the question. I mean, yeah. you've, what you basically did is you saved a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. You you uh, replaced all your lights. You saved your money, but now you're creating another hazard, another risk, on How the side I- to. Potentially life and limb, I guess. Okay, but like here, here's, here's my big question, though. Okay, if the snow is is coming down and it's blowing so hard as to cover up the traffic lights, I would imagine that even in areas where there aren't traffic lights, people who are out and driving are at substantial risk of sliding around and crashing anyhow. So. Yeah, I didn't think about that. If there's sideways snow, yeah, yeah, seriously, how many people I mean, are like, yeah. is there like, no, it's not that it's not that. I mean, unless you're walking to school like but Jared. Wait. Yeah. No, but I'm saying like, I mean, honestly, like in like places like Maine and. Like Wisconsin, Green Bay, and stuff, and where this is talking about in Michigan and Minnesota, um, it's not that irregular. I mean, it happens and it's not, five, six times a month. And know, don't think about winter. it as if the only time this happens is when the snow is falling. If it's a wet snow that sticks onto every flat surface oh, right. and then freezes or doesn't freeze, those lights are frozen until somebody oh, knocks man. that snow off. Yeah. And if you think about it, like if you look at, if you think, visualize most traffic lights, they have those little like hoods over them. Right. So they cup so right. the sun, mm-hmm. so there's no glare from the sun. 
that's also going to block the wind, so it's also not going to blow off the snow any anytime quicker, particularly oh. if you get a wet snow that freezes, like in these northern states, Wisconsin or Illinois or any – Illinois. I didn't mean to say it like that. There. I meant Illinois like a, like a plural, and it sounded like I'm a person who can't pronounce words. <laughs> I was trying to say your Wisconsin's, your Illinois, and that makes me sound dumb because it doesn't actually work that way. Yes, it does. So, hey, welcome to uh, the English language, Morgan O'Rourke. Um, yeah, so, so that's your problem. It's not necessarily when it snows well, falling. Th- those little cows over the lights, though, I mean, my understanding is that one of the benefits of LEDs, though, is that they actually are not as susceptible – to being Blair. washed out by sunlight, right? So if you had the yeah, LED lights, a, I mean, do you really even a, need those cows anymore? I mean, could uh, you could you possibly try to redesign the lights? I don't think it'll matter though if you think about it. Snow on them. Think about that, a good snow. Think about the last time you saw a good snow and you had snow on like the tree limbs and snow on the fences. Tomorrow, actually, <laughs> yes, it will. Supposedly, this, we're having snow tomorrow. It's the 18th of December, and if it snows tomorrow, that's because we told you it was going to. Uh, um, I don't like this idea at all. What? This, I, what? This, the LED lights. You don't like the idea. You don't no. like saving a million dollars a year? You don't like the technology, you just don't like them like in traffic lights. Well, they're not – I think they're spent – there's maybe saving money, but they're also – they also have another expenditure with, you know, having to hire well, people to go here's out the clear. Trick. And then it kills well, people too. No, this is – so, well, well, listen. It's not like there's this, this rampant epidemic of people dying in traffic lights. There, There's one documented case, at least in this article, that right, they said they think it might have contributed. There's five or six accidents that are documented right. as – But this, these LED lights are only in a few places, well, right? Yeah, but I'm sure that well, – you know, no, I mean, It's pretty widespread, I think, yeah. like is Wisconsin – Wisconsin, statewide. I mean, I'm sure there's podunk towns that have Minnesota, Illinois. I mean, you know, bigger. The electrical cost places. savings are, are pretty compelling, and and and, and so, I, so I, 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 I think even a lot of small municipalities are eager to make the cost to switch over because they can see themselves making. But here's the, cost the thing, back though, what, it, what it's actually quickly. starting. The, what a lot of these authorities are now having to consider because of this. You know, you got to consider well, what's the solution. So the solution is to either find some sort of like weather shields, which they sort of make, right. or add like heating elements to the lights, which. Sort of the fact that they're considering it is kind of silly. And a lot of smaller places have already said, "No, we can't do that because it's costly." Well, but you know, now yeah. you're actually saying, "Well, were we? If if would it be? Fe- I mean, how is feasible? Is it to save the electricity on the lights and then spend it on a heating element in the wintertime?" Yeah, right. yeah, well, you know, I don't know about this. Um, th- there's a, there's a stretch of uh, Route 78 between Pennsylvania and New Jersey that I, I travel when I'm going back home, and it, it's it's this one particularly nasty curve going down the mountain, and there's an automatic de-icing system there. So whenever it snows, it, however it works, and that portion of the road is always ice free and always snow free. They don't have to plow it. It's just it just kept kept clean that way. I would wonder if maybe they. You know, adopt maybe that's where technology for right. for lights. I mean, I mean, it's not like every part of the country is going to have this problem. I imagine it's going to be mainly a problem in areas that have lots and right. lots of snow. Certain parts of the Midwest, up near the Great Lakes, um, that's sort of, you know that sort of thing. I mean, I would I would guess just right. a normal dusting, or maybe even just a uh, just a you know a moderate you know two to four inch kind of snowfall is not really going to cause a it's, lot. Of it's major just problems. if you think I'm just saying if you think about the snows, if it's a snowy that's going to stick yeah. and it's going to be windy. It doesn't have to be a lot of snow to, to cover anything up. Yeah, but I mean, like something. I have a house, and I mean, it gets snowed on all the time, and it's like not like the windows get all entirely covered up. It's not like if you have a snow, it's, yeah, but nobody's it's guaranteed to cover up. But the nobody the, driving the down lights. your block has a problem seeing your house. It's not in the way of their tr- roads. No, but I think Bill is right in the sense that it's not every snowfall that this is happening. No. It is. It does have to take. It is a little bit weird because of the shield over the top of the lights. It needs to kind of get blown in there in a weird way. But um, they were talking too about one of the solutions technologically might be like yeah, like a water repellent or an ice de-icing type mm-hmm. of coating yeah, that you yeah. could put on Which these things. But it's, at this thing. point, for this winter, it doesn't. It's obviously not practical for them to change it right. now. But it's so like anyone who's incorporating it later might be able to do that stuff. Or um, yeah, it would seem like like if you get if you decided to switch your lights tomorrow in your community. That was, you know, that'd be a good idea. I'm sure you'd have to cost out the cost of, say, uh, like overtime police. You know, say you, know, you didn't have a de-icing situation. Just have, have, well, also you get have, your traffic crews. And they uh, actually – I was watching some video and they had the uh, – I mean, real high-tech ways to make the yeah. – they were literally put – this guy was literally taping ice scrapers, you know, like your car hand scraper mm-hmm. that you scrape windshield <laughs> to like these long-ass broom – like uh, room, broomstick type of things. Like oh, duct tape. They used to like – And they're literally like, like standing out there and scraping it like <laughs> – yeah. oh, But they got to awesome. do every single light. And depending on how how much it is, your crew's got to work a little yeah. extra time. I, yeah, granted, it's not like this is some sort of like thing that all of a sudden makes all the value that you're seeing throughout the year just yeah. you know wash away. But well, you know, it's like everything else that any update we ever do, there's always uh, there's another side to the uh, benefits. Well, well and there's th- also like an education campaign that could happen too. That wouldn't. I mean, it it, it staggers me how 
stupid people even in new york are but like driving the snow like, oh yeah going to maine you know like i said it's it's just just a way to grab the snow and, right. and, and god even, forbid even it's texas when, or like a, a southern communities where well, like snows, atlanta. the world that stops oh right. man atlanta is famous for like they got like <laughs> yes. a, just a little tiny dusting and people just freak out and right. there's always news footage of people doing donuts on the highways and all that just just right. they just can't handle it but like where i grew up you know like there's times where the snow is just falling so hard and you're driving it because you got to go somewhere that you just because of the snow that's in front of your windshield you can't see the the lights very well so there's a a knowledge of driving in the snow that you treat the light like a stop sign. Right. And that's what some of the cops and the, the you know, the, the municipal article. workers were saying, you know, well, people just need to learn that if they can't see the light properly, just treat it as a stop sign. That could be probably the most simple and maybe even the most effective solution to the whole thing. Seriously, just, just a, you know, a, 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 a serious educational campaign, you know. Um, yeah, that's what they do during hurricanes when it knocks out the power. Well, they were putting the up, they've, they've put up signs in certain places to that effect, mm-hmm. you know, which, yeah. you know, treats if it's out. Treat it like yeah. you know. If it was a power failure, that's technically that would be what you were doing. Yeah. If it's you know power failure, you're not just going to blow through the intersection because oh that light's not going. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. I, I, it, but yeah, I mean, there's it, always that one guy in a snowstorm though who decides this is the time he's gonna he's gonna get his F-150 up to 45 miles an hour and three. But I guess snow, if you're not you know? familiar with but the area part, and the yeah. road conditions are bad, and maybe <laughs> you know you're not ex- you don't know where the lights are. Maybe you will blow through it because you can't stop that well anyway, and right. and you didn't see it far enough. And then you yeah. see a light slam on your brakes still go through. Right. But for the most part, people in Green Bay probably know how to drive yeah. in the snow pretty well. You, know? I you so. would imagine, yeah. yeah. So that's why we probably see fewer accidents than, you know, I mean, they're reporting it, so it's become a big epidemic, but I don't think it's that, that many accidents. I do think, though, I don't th- like I said, I don't think it's a big enough deal, but I did think it was cool, this little fact that they were saying, the talking about what it saves. They said uh, LEDs in, in Wisconsin, LEDs installed seven years ago were still burning, while incandescent bulbs were replaced every 12 to 18 months. Wow. So you figure <laughs> yeah. if they're doing that, they're saving money over and over again. Yeah. I would imagine that it's going to take quite a bit before they all of a sudden have to start going, you know, rethinking that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. got to be a short fix. I mean, unfortunately, like I said, there was some accidents and unfortunately one death that might have been attributed. But I don't know if that would have – there's no one – no one can say that's because of this light or because it was just an accident. Well, look, I mean right. more, pe- more people die on the roadways of the United States that's every true. year than all the combat deaths in, v- in the Vietnam War. So, I mean, the truth is that no matter how many people – I mean, how many fatalities you can chalk up to snow-covered LED traffic right. lights? It's such a small number statistically that I mean, I, don't, I, I can't imagine it would be enough to disprove the use of the technology. No. It seems like it would be more more a case of it's an obvious risk that's been identified, but because of other cost considerations such as you know, um, you know, less replacement cost of the bulb or lower electrical costs, it clearly it's a matter of the risk has to be managed rather than simply getting rid of the lights entirely. It's just a matter of you know. Education or de-ice or something. more cautious. So. I mean, that's that's you know what it is. But you know, I always wonder though when you get the see these things when they hit the they hit the you know the media and it's interesting. But you always get that like one or two comments from people that are like, "This never happened before. How could this possibly be safe?" <laughs> and at what point does you know you could see a plausible scenario where that sort of groundswell of this is terrible. We need to go back to the way it was. What, what, overwhelming to, to some elected, in a big box hanging over the overwhelming street some elected official and all of a sudden they have to go back on something because there was just too many people in their their community that demanded that this changes even though it has absolutely no relevance to the one thing or another because right. especially if you're dealing with I'm not saying that Green Bay is small enough for this. I've never been. I guess there. it happened on the Jersey Shore, maybe, but you know, come on, no yeah. well, place where it's gonna. I mean, the situation being, I can't see the situation the way it is. I just can't see that. I could see a scenario where they all of a sudden would have to change things. Like well, it's that. funny because um, one of the commenters, I think, on the blog post that had there was a pretty good photo in in the blog post of a a green light just being com- almost completely blocked out, and then right next to it hanging was like you know an overhead like no right hand sign or something like that, and the commenter's like. Uh, meanwhile, the sign is completely blocked out by snow, too. So yeah. That's been going on for years. Yes. Stop signs yeah. you know, in Maine or wherever is always blocked out by snow. So it's not like yeah. it's this new, complete thing. But I, mean, I think it does speak to the idea that as we develop all these new technologies, whether they're green or whatever, digital, there's going to be these unforeseen things that in practice turn out to be riskier or more difficult I mean, to deal with. Than, yeah, than, think about it. Who sure. Who really knew before this point that – Incandescent lights, traffic lights, melted the snow, and this was never a problem. Did anybody I, even I, think I didn't. It never occurred to me. Would that even have occurred to you no. until you changed something, obviously for the better, and all of a sudden you find out, oh, really? That did that? <laughs> I mean, that wasn't planned. That just kind of lucky. Yeah, I don't think when they made an incandescent light, they're like, you know what's good about this, too? 
It'll melt the snow. snow. <laughs> well, not the, one of the one of the commenters though, like I've never noticed this either, but he was saying like, "Oh, this is actually good because now there's not like water in the middle of the street that turns into ice." And he was saying like, underneath like the really? you know over it's the like sidewalk that. ones, he said like he'd always noticed that. It's like the biggest problem really? nobody ever knew about. Yeah, like water, water drips down and then it just becomes ice. So wow. you know, that's why on like, yeah, the side of the sidewalk they always be there. Oh, like the icy ice. corner, yeah. street corners and stuff like that. Because it was powdered snow and the snow was too cold too too cold to melt, so there shouldn't be ice there, but. Because of the dripping water. Really I'm, interesting. All, I'm all for LED uh, traffic lights now. <laughs> now you're like, You've swayed me. <laughs> you swayed you. So, 180 no turn inside 10 minutes. I love yeah. it. it. makes a lot of sense. Well, well, it's interesting. I, I I definitely like the idea though of the of the road crews having to go out there with you know ten foot poles and ice scrapers having to service the lights. That just makes me well. Some of them use like some of them you also can just use imagine those guys too. You know, like Sal, who's been working there for fifty five years. Oh yeah, just going out like what the hell? I gotta <laughs> do what? <laughs> yeah. Well, see, you know, and it's freezing cold, just I, scraping a light with no leverage whatsoever while the thing swings. Yes. I mean, those things are gigantic a lot of times, but still, I can't think that if you're putting pressure on it, it's not just going to keep getting away from you. You know, that would be the job they give to the rookie, you know? It'd be like, you know, ah, scooters on the force for us. Well, well, here's here's your first winter kid, right? Here's, you get cold duty. Here's what you do, though. be out there, like, doing it, and then it would just, you'd see the snow fall down at him in the face. What you do though is then you move to St. Paul, Minnesota, because they've got air compressors that blow the snow off. That's how air they compressors. do. Air compressors. Wow, they're fancy. So they just <laughs> shoot it out with air <laughs> like an air cannon, <laughs> like that. That that uh, see, you know, it's like, it's like a t-shirt gun, like but, the, but it blasts, it blasts, yeah, it blasts, it blasts air. the light. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, why? Are, why? Are, you I know, can't think that'll work for the ice, but still. If St. Paul's using those to clear snow, why are those not more available in all facets of society? Yeah. I mean, I every, everybody should be walking around with air guns. I would imagine. Probably. I'm just picturing like Javier Bardem and uh, No Country for Old Men walking around like limping <laughs> with the <laughs> thing. <laughs> with the tank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, clear Get rid of friendo. that snow, friendo. <laughs> <laughs> Dueling friendo quotes. I love yeah, it. There we go. Days ago, um, in in Hamburg, Germany, there is a, 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 a bizarre incident where uh, there's a $200 plate, I guess, uh, dinner circus event. And uh, what happened is there's some Bengal tigers in the act, and the trainer, Christ, Christ, yeah, wait, of course, uh, Christian Walliser uh, was a guy who was, uh, I guess, handling them. He tripped over an enclosure during the performance, and a couple of the tigers took this as a signal to play with him and basically jumped on top of him and mauled the daylights out of this poor guy in no time flat. Um, there are two doctors who happened to be the audience. They, they showed up and, and intervened on his behalf, and they had to spray water and fire extinguishers on the tigers to get them off. And, uh, I mean, they, 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 the guy has got life-threatening injuries at this point. He... Um, he lost. Uh, he lost at least a couple fingers on his one hand. Uh, see, the tigers ate. They ate the flesh off their trainer. How about this? Oh, they're, they're throwing him around like a rag doll, and apparently they chewed off a couple of his fingers, and they're actually devouring parts of his body. So the big. That's that, not playing so much as no, eating. Yeah, yeah, that that's straight up predation. Yeah. Um, now the and, and now among other things, the paramedics had to treat twenty people in the audience for shock just because of the the horrifying sure. spectacle before before them. You know, yeah. the worst dinner theater oh, ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, <laughs> Is really. this a show? So um yeah I pity the person who orders steak tartare that one oh, I really no. do it's you know like I, yeah that's no good that's no good it's a terrible joke um I sorry I know but <laughs> but um what was interesting is that you know typically with with situations like this the tigers are destroyed and the, and the circus that runs this insists that the tigers will not be destroyed they're not going to discipline the tigers they feel like tigers had actually done nothing wrong it was just a matter of you know this this guy fell over and there's like a reflex kind of action and apparently I mean the, the news on this is still a little sketchy there's no evidence that say the tigers were mistreated and went amok like um there's that that elephant situation in Honolulu about right. 15 years ago it mm-hmm. just you know it was it was a mistreated elephant and just attacked its handlers they don't really know why it went after the handler here uh but but clearly i mean even if a tiger is playing um <laughs> the strength of the animal is such that a person can't right. withstand it well, that's what chris rock said after you know was it siegfried or roy one of them got siegfried mauled. And roy, yeah which one was it they got mauled uh roy got got mauled roy got mauled and like, I, I don't know if the I think they actually campaigned to not have the tiger put down. Yes. I can't remember if it was destroyed or not, but it was not. Chris Rock was joking about it, and he was saying like everyone was, everyone else was complaining. You know, the tiger went crazy. You know, what's wrong with this tiger? Like, tiger go crazy? That tiger went tiger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right. You know. It's a wild well, animal. Why is everybody so surprised? Well, in the Siegfried and Roy case, actually, that was a, that was an interesting thing there because. What, what, there's an investigation to that, not if the tiger was mistreated, but if there was a violation of safety regulations, because apparently at that show, there was no 
barrier whatsoever between the performers, including the, the White Tigers, and the audience. And in that case, I, what they said happened is that some woman was, like, distracting one of the Tigers, trying to reach out to touch it, whatever, and the Tiger was getting distracted and showing interest in the, in the audience member. And Roy came in to intervene, and in so doing, tripped over and fell down. Apparently falling down in front of a Tiger is <laughs> the worst thing you can do. And there was yeah. a, and basically a lot of chaos broke out in the ring, and with that – what they think happened is the tiger actually tried to grab Roy and and move him away because he didn't like he didn't jump on him and it didn't jump on him and maul him the way it would happen here in Germany. It just it bit him by the neck and carried him off uh, the way it would like a cub. Right. And apparently he just he and he and even at the sign of injury at the moment of injury, Roy was like, no, 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 don't. He was saying, don't shoot the tiger, don't shoot the tiger. And his injuries were mainly from, were from blood loss. And the, people kind of came out afterwards and said, look, if the tiger wanted to kill him, it would have killed him then and there. It would have shook him, and there would have been. You can't get carried away by a tiger. Yeah, you know. To not but, you know but <laughs> the only thing to sort of, to me, it's just a, it's a fascinating bit of it. I mean, this is not the first time people have heard about tiger maulings and circus situations have gone bad. And yet, people still feel compelled to include these kind of dangerous animals into their acts, even if they're training them from, from a cub, even if they're doing every possible safety measure they can. I mean, I don't know. This is one of those things where you would think that there are certain animals you just wouldn't want to work with, you know, just, you know, they, they break the food chain too badly. And they put yeah. put humans well at the bottom of it. It just it just strikes me as a little... But then, little, I mean, little... if you think about it, there's, there's got, I mean, how many wild animal performances are out there that, that don't end in disaster? No, they're they're they're, they're funny, yeah, but but, you know, but the yeah. ones that do end badly end really badly. I mean, yes. you know, if the tiger got out and got in the audience, it would have been you know a bad scene. I mean, right. I, I, I mean, just from the trampling deaths, it would have occurred. Did people just try to make their way to the door? Let alone whatever the tiger would have done to people. Bill, you gave me that when I was doing the blog post about the elephant. Uh... Went crazy, you know the circus elephant. Yeah, in the, the Honolulu case, right? Yeah, you gave me that list. Who was it by of the uh, oh, right, circus right. incidents uh, gone think, bad? I, it may have been the American Humane Society, actually. Yeah, I mean it was it was from like was the late seventies to like two thousand five, maybe, yeah. and it was a thick list of hundreds and hundreds of oh, incidences. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah there, just there like circus That's animals just circus turning. Stuff. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. well, more than you would think. well, I think it happens in circuses a lot because just is kind of anecdotally from what little I've read is that a lot of circuses, especially like the smaller run ones, like more mom and pop operations, they might be more inclined to train their animals using negative right. stimuli, um, you know, basically punishing the animal for just something that you don't want it to do rather than rather than rewarding it for doing something you want to do. Mm-hmm. As a result, the animals just they just they they don't have a good relationship with their handlers, and so they turn on them. That's exactly what happened in Honolulu. I mean, yes. that, that elephant decided, you know. F this, and that, he that decided he was gonna... going to kill him, that guy and try yeah, to kill well, him. He, I mean, he knocked his handler down. He stepped on his head. I mean, he actually, I mean, mm-hmm. you know. And then the second handler, I remember, I remember seeing a video of that. Yep. And the video starts with the second handler being thrown out of the building like the Cloverfield monster punted him. And it was just the elephant just sort of shook him with his head, and wow. shoom, he just flew. And and I mean, by the time the cops caught up to him, it was like a Godzilla movie. The cops were just shooting everything they had at this elephant. And it was just shaking it off and running down the streets of yep. Honolulu like mad. Um, you know, so it's just, it's just, it, you know, it's it's one of those those things where the risks of running wild animal shows, especially like in close proximity to people, just strikes me as really, really amazing. That people even still do it. Um, well, that's part of the appeal. It seems a little arcane. I, the, the appeal I, I of suppose. watching a wild animal show is the fact that it's a wild animal that is not that you're watching that is not in fact killing you presently. Yeah. Or you know, so I would imagine that's the whole point. Unfortunately, <laughs> the risk is a little more real than maybe <laughs> anybody'd want it to be. But if you know. That's why they do it. That's why people do all sorts of stupid things that are essentially death-defying. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, we went to this zoo up in the Poconos, right? It was this, this little family kind of run game park zoo sort of thing. And I, but they actually had, like, lions and tigers and, you know, some, some serious animals there. Bears? They had bears. Oh, my. You had to do it. <laughs> Don't ever do that again. <laughs> anyway, um, but I remember we were walking by. And they, <laughs> <laughs> Stop. But they had this enclosure of white tigers, right? And I remember we were walking by, and this it was this really creepy moment where this one tiger was watching my son Connor, who was about three at the time, oh. you know, and he was looking at him like he wasn't watching the people go by; he was looking at the boy as food. I mean, you know, and it's funny because myself, my wife, and my friend, all at the same like at the same moment, we all got this instinctive response like. All, all I need to do is outrun Connor. <laughs> it, was, it was more like if I had a gun, I'd shoot the tiger, you know. But you know, but 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 yeah, you know, it's, it's one of the situations where you're like that tiger clearly was eyeing up people as food. Which I mean, like you say, it's just doing the tiger thing. That's what tiger. I mean, anything smaller than a tiger, it's going to catch, kill, and eat. That's yep. what it does. Right. You know. Um. You know. It, 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 that's 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 what cats are, are made to do. So, so you can't fault the cat. However, 
I immediately started to question my wisdom for taking my family to a <laughs> to a zoo with questionable you know, security measures and having like six tigers in a in a in a big pen, and the people who were running this this zoo and you know this zoo on their own like. I can't imagine what would happen if those tigers got out and just ran around, you know, the Poconos on their own. I mean, it would be a bad day in all of northeastern Pennsylvania if those tigers had gotten out, you know. But again, it's like it, 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 it's like you said, like just the lure of these wild animals is too strong to resist, even though the risks of having it. I mean, well, I, the I, risk I, is is pretty much if the thing gets out, it's going to kill one of my patrons. More than likely, it won't. And I guess you just judge. Well, I don't know. Well, it's it's a weird kind of risk assessment you do though, because it's like you bring in this, you bring in these animals, which bring in a huge amount of revenue, yeah. right? You know, and, and like that was one of the big problems with the with the that the that the, the, the I think it was the Mirage Casino that had Siegfried and Roy. They were looking at a fifty million dollar a year loss just in receipts to the show when we you know when the mauling happened because they 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 weren't on for like two years or something after that, and then they, and then they actually had their farewell show this year, like in February, and they they permanently retired because I mean Roy was pretty badly messed up. They also and, been doing it for a long time. Right, yeah, but they're like 90. It didn't help that but, they got mauled. But you know, but I mean, like you know, you know, for the Mirage though, it's one of the situations where they they had given that 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 act a lifetime contract, okay, and they were making a huge amount of money off those guys, and they had this, they were having white tigers, you know, within five feet or ten feet of of patrons. I mean, that could have gone wrong at any time. It's one of those weird True. risks where you know the risk is acceptable until one day it flips and it becomes completely unacceptable. There's no middle. It's one of those risks where there seems to be no middle ground. Right. Yeah, it's either right. it's either the risk is not manifesting itself. Or it's it's already gone to the or red zone. Catastrophic, yeah. Right, you know, and, and, you know, and, and it's it's you know it's it, it's, it's, it's it, this sort of this strikes me as fascinating because it's it just you know beyond just tigers, it seems like a lot of businesses kind of kind of connect themselves in in this way where where they whatever risk they 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 take on they know it's there and they know they probably aren't mitigating them as well as they ought to and perhaps for certain certain risks the best risk the best management would be to not engage in the risk at all. I mean, just don't have a tiger, you know, but. The money is there, so yeah. you know, you know, money is the great enemy of all risk management, right? And so, as long as you can you can make it work for a while, people do until one day they just they discover, eh, you know what? We actually um, if we took on more than we can handle. Whatever and, the equation is that 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 makes that seem like it's an acceptable risk, if there is such a thing for. Yeah. A- I don't know. It, it, it just strikes me as weird that any enterprise, whether it's a you know a, a, a large industrial firm or you know a mom and pop circus in Germany, would would take on any kind of risk that if the risk manifests itself, it is basically a enterprise ender. You know, I mean, I, I, that doesn't strike me as very smart. Yeah, and the thing too about about having like a wild animal attack is, we say it's an enterprise. It's because it's so sensational that it's guaranteed to make the news. Yeah, you're talking about this happened in Germany. Yeah. Right. If a car accident happened in Germany and killed ten people, pile up on a highway, we would not be talking about it. We wouldn't care. No. Ten times the people died, and probably have since oh, yeah, this no incident. Doubt. But no we're going to talk about the sensationalism of of the tiger mauling because, well, that's it. So they're not only taking a risk of hurting one of their patrons or killing one of their patrons, but of being so well known for being the thing that killed somebody because it's just, you know, that sensational aspect. Yeah. Of it. So it's not just you know. You know, you really are balancing two things—not just the death of a patron, but the, like you said, potential end of your business just because of the nature of the yeah. Tragedy. But your business is based upon that True. risk. I mean, if you want to call it even like that, you know, what are you doing? Like have a flamingo show and expect no one to show up ever? You know, like <laughs> yeah, I would go you either show tigers, or you don't. You have you show tiger people show up, or you show boring animals and no one ever shows up. Right. No, I wonder true. if the interest in these live animal shows will fade at any time soon because. No, it probably, seems... probably not. I mean, I mean, there will be some, some, some concern about you know tigers maybe in that part of Germany for a little while. Well, but, let me ask you: know, you Would you go to a circus with tigers now, even after hearing this story? And I don't think I would go, uh, go to a circus at all. No. Well, that's. Be- I well, definitely we... wouldn't right. go to a circus without tigers, though. Yeah, really. Seriously, <laughs> I don't want to go to a circus in general because I'm, I'm not, and... I'm not, you know, six years old anymore. Right. <clears throat> but if there was no tiger, I wouldn't even want to take a six-year-old kid to go. What's the point? Clowns are creepy. Everything else is just. Waste your boring, <laughs> and if there's nothing you haven't seen before, like live, I mean, yeah. acrobatics look just look the same whether they're live or on TV. But a tiger, yeah. well, damn. You know, I mentioned the live animal shows, and um, I realized that I've been to um, what's it called in Jersey? Sure. <laughs> like Great Adventure. <laughs> no, with the horses and um, farm. You, you read, no, you played <laughs> <it's> farm. <laughs> It's like a dinner show, medieval times. Oh, medieval times. Oh, there you yeah. go. Oh, God, what can I think of that? 
<laughs> and that that uses live animals. I just wasn't putting that in the same context. Well, yeah, but of course, as, uh, that's that's on Jersey Shore. That's no. close. It's on Jersey Shore, Meatable Times? No. Oh. No, no, no. no, no. But horses also don't grab people here. out of the audience and eat right. them. And, you know, <laughs> throw them around. Yeah, but I'm kind of like trying to say like I'm against live animal shows of any type because, you know, how no, they're I mean, treated I mean, and how they could turn, but then also pay for Yeah, but see, that's not the same thing. That's like, you know, that's that's you're you're equating tigers and horses and guys riding horses. I mean, probably be more scared of the guys that are dressed up in armor and have lances and think that's somehow normal way to make a living at this point. Yeah, well, no. You know, they're you're not, not as, a knight. That's not harmful. medieval, for real. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to talk about medieval times. I've never been. No, no, I have never been. I'm sorry. The closest I've ever been is Cable Guy, the movie where they... I have, gone, I, I have geeked out and gone to Renaissance fairs, but I've not yeah. actually gone to medieval you times. To, Did you, you dress up? It. Yeah, I dressed up. Are you kidding me? That's awesome. Of course I dressed up. That was fantastic. Oh, I, used to do it in col- I used to do it in college all the time. I loved it. Did you really dress up? I did dress up. You're not You're not making it up? I'm not making it up. What's that? Do you have pictures? Do I have pictures? I... Don't have pictures, but I still have the costume. What was your name? Bill Coffin. I, oh, I, no, I, no, I didn't walk around oh. put on a fake accent or anything. I just, oh. you know, I just, you know, yeah, I just listen, everybody who's listening to this, do me a favor. <laughs> all right, seriously, if you're interested, because I am, but we need, I need help. I want you to comment on this podcast, and I want there to be a groundswell of we need to see Bill in that costume. Whether it's yes. laid out on, on, on a table or whether he wears it. It was up to you guys. I mean, frankly, I want to see the full thing, but come on. If we get enough of you, we may be able to record a, a YouTube clip of him doing some sword fighting. Yes! <laughs> he can actually also oh, no. breathe fire, so this is a true fact. So, did you do that at the Renaissance Fair? No, 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 no. But I did I did have her walk around with a great big turkey leg and I'll eat that thing. It'll be awesome. So. Wow. Why would you do such a thing? Because... <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was college for one thing, and I was, just, they, I was prone to doing stupid things. They in really need to make a reality show. About it, was this. Just, it, was just, it was just one of those. It was just one of those things where it, it was there was a big Renaissance fair in Baltimore every year, and uh, usually in uh, in like early October, it was just like you know, we had this, like, this battery of exams that got done. A bunch of us just sort of go up to Baltimore and just hang out and just drink a lot of beer and walk around in stupid costumes and uh, just mead. just have a lot of fun. Mead, he means. Mead. No, mead's well, you know what? Honestly, like if you mead. drink a lot of beer, there's there's all manner of things that could happen. So I can I guess we can forgive. Some of the dumber things that some people have done, I would imagine, yeah. under the influence of ale. I went to the <laughs> Renaissance Fair this year, the New York one. You now sh- you're just making fun of me. No, I'm no, no, she was a spectator. She wasn't. <laughs> I have pictures. I have pictures. I have proof. She was a spectator. She wasn't actually dressed as some sort of like, you know, serving wench or something. No. Really? I don't think. Mm-mm. Were you? No, I was not. Good. Because <laughs> we get pictures of I'm that saying, too, I guarantee. I was serving myself. <laughs> Did you get put in a stockade? No. Or is that um, is that a different thing? That's, a, that's at the Jersey Shore. Ah, uh, you stop the Jersey Shore. Isn't, All right, the whole world is not Jersey, involved in the Jersey Shore. The Jersey Shore already. is actually that good. The situation down at the Jersey Shore is something that we need to look into for one of these podcasts. Forever fresh. All right, then you know what we'll have to do sometime in the summer. Then we'll have to bring you guys all to my house, and we'll podcast from there. And you'll see me in my stupid costume, and it'll be it'll be glorious. Oh my nice. God! This is maybe <laughs> live <Wow>. wrist cast. <laughs> live <laughs> wrist the Jersey Shore. Exactly. Wow! Fantastic. Bill, don't be making stuff up. I'm very excited. <laughs> don't this tease is, us. It's too early for Christmas presents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, well, speaking of, it's about time we wrap this up. So, I just yeah. wanted to uh, say goodbye to everybody. Thank you again for listening to our podcast, and uh, certainly as we go into the holidays, make sure everybody has a safe and happy holiday season. Enjoy. Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's, all that good stuff. And we will see you uh, with the next episode sometime in early January. Uh, Bill Coffin signing off. Happy holidays, everyone. Take care. See ya.